Hello there and welcome back to a new teaching session. My name is Edward Sereduk and today we are going to talk about tithing in the New Testament. Today I would like to begin this the teaching session with a couple of questions that I also struggled with many years ago and uh, questions that I know that some of you are also facing or you've been trying to find, find answers to them. And these questions are the following. Is tithing for the New Testament believers? Isn't tithing an Old Testament thing? Why should we as believers tithe? How much should we tithe? Should we tithe from the gross or net income? When should we tithe? Or where should we tithe? Should we still tithe while we are in debt? What if we don't tithe? Are we cursed? Do healing and prosperity depend on our tithing? Will God pay us back our tithe multiplied? There are so many questions, and all these uh, questions are important, uh, and many Christians struggle with them today, and the purpose of this teaching is to answer them and try to bring some clarity to the practice of tithing in the New Testament era. And specifically, we will try to prove that tithing is still valid in the New Testament, but more as a guideline of giving and not as an enforced rule. And in this session, we will try to answer just three questions, and the rest of them we'll discuss in another session. And the first question for today is the following. Is tithing for the New Testament believers? This is the main question of this teaching. Well, it's yes and no, and I will say why yes and why no. It's yes because God has always been a giver, and that's part of his nature revealed all throughout the scripture. Pretty much like holiness or love is, the fact that God is holy and that he desires that we walk in holiness didn't, didn't change from the Old to the New Testament, isn't that right? We still need to live holy lives as believers in Christ especially since God has given us everything. He has given us His most precious possessions. He's given us His only Son and the Holy Spirit. And He desires for His children to walk in holiness. The same is with uh, giving. Yes, tithing is for the New Testament believers because tithing, as we will see later on in, uh, in the following uh, questions, tithing was present before the law it was inherited during the law of Moses, and then it was mentioned after the law in the New Testament. Why tithing is not mandatory for the New Testament believer? It is not, not mandatory because believers are not cursed even if they don't tithe at all. Even if, you, if we don't give anything to God, to the kingdom or to ministries and to churches, we are not and we will never be cursed. And this is a strong um, statement that I'm making, and a lot of you might have a problem with it, but that's the truth, and we will, and we will prove it based on the Bible. Believers will, are not cursed even if they don't tithe. So from that point of view, we are not obligated as believers to tithe in the New Testament. And also, tithing is not mandatory because in the New Testament, there is no specific command about tithing, but about generosity and giving in general. 
Believers are called to give whatever amount they decide in their hearts, but cheerfully and wholeheartedly. That's what uh, 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 tells us. In the New Testament, in other words, tithing acts as a guideline, more of a discipline or a guideline and not as a rule. And believers are called to give even more than tithing. I mean, the emphasis in in the New Testament is not on how much believers give, if it's 5%, 10%, 20%, but on how they give. They need to give with faith and with joy. That's what the Bible encourages us. So here uh, are a few uh, reasons for why tithing is for the New Testament believers and why it's not. And now let's uh, talk about what I said earlier. Uh, Let's see where does tithing appear in the the Old Testament, before the law, during the law, and after the law. Uh, And uh, if we go back in the ancient times, we'll see that uh, tithing was not restricted to religious people, such as the nation of Israel. Giving a portion of one's income either to a pagan deity or to the governing authority was a a widespread custom in those days. And one only needs to read Genesis 47 verse 24. And there we can see that Egyptians were required to pay a fifth or 20% of their harvest to Pharaoh. Uh, And other extra biblical documents indicate that tithing was commonly practiced throughout the ancient world among such people as the uh, Syrians, Lydians, and Babylonians. So it was something like a custom in those days. But then, was tithing found among God's people prior to the giving of the Mosaic law? Uh, Well, there are two examples of the pre-Mosaic tithing. And we read the first one is in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20, where we see Abraham giving a tenth of all to Melchizedek. And although Abraham tithed out of the spoils or the booty of war in this instance and not of his yearly or monthly income. And even though he might have followed a common ancient Near Eastern custom to tithe, it seems that somehow he knew instinctively that Melchizedek would be pleased with his gift. And we know that Melchizedek was the prince of Salem and represents God. It was God. But there is nothing in the Old Testament to indicate that Abraham ever received divine or revelatory instructions concerning tithing. And Apostle Paul picks up Abraham's tithing in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 4, when he talks about the superiority of the new covenant priesthood of Jesus Christ to the old covenant priesthood and about the superiority of Melchizedek to Abraham. So Paul re, uh, reminds us about uh, uh, reminds us what Abraham did when he gave a tenth of all as a good thing, and then the second example of tying before the law we 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 find in Genesis twenty eight verse twenty two, where it is said that Jacob promised to give a tenth of all he had to God, and also. Although his vow here was made upon the condition that God would bless Jacob first and not uh, before, he still knew that giving back to God a tenth would be pleasing and honoring to God as a thanksgiving or as gratefulness. Otherwise, he would not have come with such an idea before God. So when he made that vow, he knew that he would honor God and he it would be a... Um, 
reasonable way for him to thank him back or to give uh, to be grateful to him for what God has done in his lives. So these are the only two examples specifically mentioning tithing in the Old Testament before the law of Moses. Now we move on to the law of Moses uh, and uh, uh, try to see where was tithing given during the law of Moses. And the first passage uh, is Leviticus 27 verse 30 where we see Moses putting tithing into the law. Let's read it together. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but you are welcome to use any tra English translation that you have available. The, verse says, the passage says this, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So the first 10% was called holy or set apart as belonging to God. The Israelites were to return to God what was already his, and in doing so, recognize the Almighty's provision. And uh, this is not the only passage that we see in Numbers chapter 18, verse 21 to 24. We see that the Levites served a special function in Israel. They minister before God as Israel's priests. And at God's command, the Levites didn't share in the other tribes' inheritance. And, and we'll read it in a minute. The Lord was their portion and inheritance. Let's read this passage as well. Numbers 18, verses 21 to 24. Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance in return for the work which they perform, the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Hereafter, the children of Israel shall not come near the tabernacle of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance. For the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites as an inheritance. Therefore I have said to them, Among the children of Israel... They shall have no inheritance. So here we see the Lord establishing that Israel's tithe would operate as payment to the Levitical priests for their services. This is an important uh, hint uh, to, uh, in relation to the New Testament usage of tithing. That does not mean that the Levitical priests were, not, were exempt from tithing. They also had to tithe like all the other people. And we see that uh, later on in the chapter in verses 26 and 28, chapter 18 of Numbers. From the income that the Levites received from the tithe, they were still responsible for giving 10% off the top to God. So they are not exempt, exempt from, from this rule, from this law. And the tithe was not a volitional offering, something that you voluntarily did. And we see that in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 6. The 10% off the top belonged to God and the Israelites simply repaid it. But this was not the only mandatory tithe. They also tithed to support a special jubilee festival. We see that in Deuteronomy 12. And also, it, this is interesting, took a third tithe every three years to take care of orphans, widows, and the poor. And we see that in Deuteronomy chapter 14. And these are not the only places. Later on in 2 Chronicles chapter 31 verse 5, we see again 
the people of Israel bringing abundantly the tithe of everything they had. And there are other, other passages that didn't take them all. We see that also in Nehemiah. We see the, the existence of tithing. But finally, we have Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 to 10, at the end of the Old Testament, where God again gives this, his command about tithing. And throughout the Old Testament, an offering was something that people gave, but tithe, the tithe was something that they owed. It belonged to the Lord and it was repaid. It wasn't a gift necessarily. Uh, and we saw that the whole priestly system relied on the tithe to stay functional. So it was something that uh, helped uh, pay, uh, take, take care of the Levite, uh, Levite priests and also take care of orphans and widows and the poor. Now let's move on to, uh, to see where do we notice tithing in the New Testament. In other words, after the law. Where, that, where, is, it, where is the tithing mentioned after the law? And we see in Matthew 23, verse 23, that Jesus spoke to the Pharisees about tithes and mercy, that they must do both. He did not discount here tithing, but rather discounted it if it was done without mercy and justice. And accordingly, we must practice mercy without neglecting tithing. He didn't put tithing aside. But he said, do that, but on, in a context of love, of mercy, and justice. This would be a first argument for tithing after the law. Then the second argument or reason uh, why tithing is for the New Testament believers and where, uh, why believers should tithe in the New Testament, let's read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, where it says this, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. Here the context in this passage is about sacrifices, about continual uh, sacrifices versus the one uh, once and for all sacrifice of Jesus. But I want, us, I want us to pay attention to this phrase that the law having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things. In other words, the law of Moses in general was a shadow of the real things to come, an image of the real. It was, if you want, if we, a, a typology. In the New Testament, the things from the law were not completely removed. I mean, they were, they were, the law was removed, removed in one sense, on one hand, but it was not removed on, in a, from another perspective, on another hand. They, the laws, the rules in the law of Moses were either replaced with something better and bigger or extended and amplified. And I'll give you a few examples. The, the first one is the imperfect repeated sacrificial system of animals was replaced with the eternal once and for all sacrifice of Jesus, as we see in, in the whole Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews talks about that. Then another thing, the moral law of the Ten Commandments was expanded and amplified by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. We see that in Matthew 5. From the letter of the law, to the spirit of the law, to the inner thoughts and desires of the heart. So Jesus expanded the, the moral law into the holiness, into the attitude of the heart, and into the holiness that believers need to walk today. 
so holiness resembles the Ten Commandments, right? But it's way more than that. It goes uh, all, much, much deeper than that, and it comes out of a nature. And it, uh, what happens inside, in our minds and hearts, is more important than the actions it, uh, themselves. And the last example uh, about the, uh, the law being extended or amplified or replaced is the means of being holy and attain righteousness. In the law, during the law of Moses was through human effort, and that has been replaced by God's effort and Christ's righteousness altogether. But let's go back to, the, to, the, to what I said earlier, that the real is much better than the image. And there's a big difference between looking at a photo of your loved one and meeting that person in reality. And even the feelings someone experiences when meeting the real are far greater than the ones experienced when looking at a photo. And the same goes with the law and with tithing. In the law, tithing was a, a, a mandatory commandment. However, in the New Testament, tithing uh, is extended and amplified as well. How? By adding to it the attitude of the heart with which someone tithes or gives. So the law revealed at a basic level God's heart and character that translates also to the New Testament. The law was not given in a vacuum and then completely removed in the New Testament. And God did not change. The Bible says that God does not change. So if he found pleasure in tithing in the Old Testament, he will still find pleasure in it in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, God had to make a specific rule for giving. Why? In order to help train the people in that area. Because they, they did not have the nature of God in them at that point. They were not born again. And they were not naturally inclined to be givers. Was, now, when God said, uh, required the people to give 10% of their belongings, wasn't God good and smart because, think of it, 10% was not too much to burden them, but it was not too less to not cost them anything. So God was so good, and God is so good when he asked 10% of us, when he asked 10% of, of the people. And now coming in the New Testament, the nature of believers, we know that it has changed completely. The spirit inside the believer is changed into the same nature as God's. And now God does not need to impose the tithing again. But he expects us to be givers. And a tenth of all income should be the minimum limit of giving. And since most of the law was expanded and amplified in the New Testament, the same thing happened with tithing. And as Christians... We are not required now by any law of God to pay tithes. And I want to say that again. We are not required by any law of God to pay tithes. But rather, we should go beyond tithing and give not only a tithe of our income, but also offerings above and beyond the tithe. And giving to God's kingdom, it shouldn't be, it's not our law, but it's our joy and privilege. And we'll see even better why. We'll explain that in more details. So God, God changed our nature and he expects us now to be uh, also givers because he is a giver. But even more than that, we see that at the moment of salvation, believers are made rich. 
And we see that in the Bible in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, where it says that Jesus Christ was made poor for our sake so that we would become rich. And the, the text, the verse, is in the context of finances and money and wealth. So God has made us rich through Jesus' sacrifice uh, on the cross. Of course, that is not immediately physical, this wealth that I'm talking about. It's located in the spiritual realm. However, it is as real, if not more real, than anything else. So God gave all prosperity to us, and we see that also in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, in 2 Peter 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, where it says, uh, he, God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness, and then Romans 8.32, where it says that uh, since he did not spare his only son, how will he not freely give us all things. So if he did not spare his most precious possession, his son, why would he hold off prosperity? Is that more expensive than his own son? Of course not. So in the New Testament, because God has given us all possible prosperity and because we were so blessed as believers, that's why we give. We don't give the tithe or our offerings in order to be blessed, but because we were blessed. And the act of giving demonstrates faith in what God has given and promised us concerning prosperity. And that faith waters the seed of the word of prosperity and righteousness in our hearts. And as a result, through giving, God causes all grace to abound to us to materialize more of the prosperity already available in the spiritual realm with the main purpose to give, for us to give even more after we, we materialize, we work out that prosperity and to overflow in any good work. We see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. God will cause all grace to abound to us so that we'll become even more givers. Now, Another reason for why tithing is for the New Testament believers is the following one. And I, I gave you a, a little hint uh, just a little while ago. In the Old Testament, the tithes were used as payment for those involved in ministry. Example was the Levitical priests in charge of the tabernacle. And a tithing, also we saw it was given as resources for charitable causes. The, not the main tithe. But there was a separate tithe, an offering every three years that was used to feed the poor for the widows and for the orphans. Now, in the New Testament, if we try to translate the same principle, it would apply to those ministering the gospel. Uh, who are those? Pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles, and to those who, these are uh, the people that minister of the spiritual things to other people. And tithing is the main way to, to, to do that, to, uh, to take care of these ministers, pastors, teachers, evangelists. Uh, tithing is the main way that God put in place and giving to, to take care of the ministers of the Gospels. And where do we see that? We see that in Luke 10. Uh, chapter 10, verse 7, we see that in Romans 15, 27. Uh, also in 1 Corinthians 9, 11, verses 11 to 14. And finally, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 to 18. 
the core of these passages, what, what are they saying is that those who minister uh, uh, the gospel, those who teach and preach, those who prophesy, they should live from the gospel. They should benefit from the material things from the people that are ministered to. Now, this has been, in a nutshell, why is tithing for the New Testament believers? Uh, We've seen tithing before the law, during the law, and after the law. Now, let's move on to the second question that we would like to answer today, and that is, why should we tithe? It's very related to what we've been discussing until now, but this question also covers the benefits of tithing and the genuine motivation for tithing and giving in general. And the genuine motivation for tithing and giving, uh, or the benefits of it, are the uh, should be the following. And first and foremost, when we tithe and give to the kingdom, God is honored and ministered to. He is, we minister to God when we give, when we tithe. Why? Because we walk in His righteousness, and He loves that. He likes that. He's He is blessed when He sees us walking in his righteousness and in his ways in the area of giving and tithing. Because uh, I mentioned before, he liked that in the Old Testament and he will like it even now because that's his nature. The second thing that uh, why should we tithe is that the kingdom of God uh, would be advanced and ministers will be taken well taken care of. When we tithe and give and give to ministries, to churches, the kingdom of God is advanced. Just take a look at uh, how much money the world uh, invests in movies and in things that would that are uh, that belong to the kingdom of darkness. That should give us. That should encourage us even more to to invest and to bless the kingdom of God, so that the kingdom of God would touch hearts, would touch people's life, uh, lives all over the world. The third reason why should we tithe is because we as givers will be and are more blessed when we give. And actually the Bible says that in Acts uh, chapter 20, verse 35, Apostle Paul, uh, let's read it together, says this, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So let's see what are some of the things that Paul might have meant when he said that it was more blessed to give than to receive. One of the, one of the things uh, is that we are blessed, we are more blessed with joy and satisfaction that we get to be a part of advancing the kingdom of God on earth and of touching people's lives through our finances. That's a privilege that we get to be a part in what God is doing all over the world. The second thing would be when we give and tithe, we are more blessed because we walk in righteousness and we generate more faith. We release more faith both for prosperity, to materialize more prosperity in, our, uh, in, a, in the physical world, in our world, but also for other areas of righteousness in our lives. Our giving waters continually in our hearts the faith in the word of God that we were already made prosperous and that we are always prosperous. Our, the, our, um, the deed of giving, uh, what is that faith? And finally, a very important thing, how, in what way we are more blessed when we give or tithe. Tithing and giving 
keeps us safe from a fleshly love of money and an unhealthy attachment to it that can destroy us. The more relaxed we become with letting money go to advance the kingdom, the more faith we'll have in that area and the more detached we'll become from money. That's when prosperity really flows freely and in abundance for our lives. And that's so awesome. God was so wise when he gave us this, uh, this discipline and this tool of giving to protect us, but also to help us have more faith and also to be a blessing and a part of his kingdom. That's so awesome and great. And finally, today we are tackling the last question that we prepared, and that is how much is the tithe? How much should we tithe? Uh, and now here, whether we tithe from our gross or net income, it's entirely up to us. There's no command or rule in the Bible or in the New Testament. But the main point here is that we are giving 10% of our income. And in, in all fairness, and if, you want, if we want to fulfill all righteousness, I think the correct thing is that tithing should be 10% of the gross income and of any extra any other extra income that comes during the year or month. Because we see everywhere that the tithe was a tenth of all, tenth of all, everything that people owned or possessed. Uh, we, we see that in many passages in the Bible. And in case we tithe from the gross income, then there is no need to tithe also from the tax returns, especially in U.S., unless we want to. But if we don't tithe from the gross income, then we should also consider tithing from the tax returns when we get them in the beginning of the year. And we will actually get in the same place if we tithe from the gross income during the year and not from the tax return or from the net income during the year and from the task, tax returns as well. So we get in the same place. Uh, and here we talk, we talk numbers, specific numbers and technicalities. But the important thing is for us to give and be givers. It is all about the attitude of the heart and about the faith that we manifest when we give. That's the most important thing. And if I summarize what we talked today, we're, we're getting close to the end. Uh, today we covered three questions about tithing. Is tithing for the New Testament believers? And we've seen that tithing was present before the law, was during the law of Moses, and then after the law in the New Testament. Then we answered the question, why should we tithe as believers? And we saw all the benefits and the genuine motivation for tithing. Not the, as fear of curse, but because we are more blessed and everything that we said. And finally, we answered the question, the practical, more practical question, how much should we tithe? And in the next session, we'll talk about when should we tithe? Where should we tithe? This is so important. Uh, should we still tithe while in debt? And what if we don't tithe? Are we cursed? Uh, a lot of exciting questions. Do healing or prosperity depend on our tithing? And finally, will God pay us back our tithe multiplied? So we, I think we're, we'll stop here and we'll continue in another session answering all those questions. Uh, and I thank, thank you for listening to this teaching session on tithing in the New Testament. Uh, and if you like this kind of teaching and you want to find out more, you can check out our website at ecereduke.com. And until we meet again next time, may God bless you. Amen. <music>